Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons & Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow co-host and party member, Rady. Hello there. Hello. Are you you're just going to do hello there every time. Yep, Gen- that's my thing, and I'm Gen- sticking to Kenobi. it. So I'm just going to have... It's, it's like a Star Wars reference every time. Deal with it. All right. So, um, would you rather that or Avatar: Last Airbender? No, gosh, um, no more Avatar references. references. Okay, right. well, deal with so, it. So, <laughs> speaking of Avatar, we're gonna make some characters. All right. So, this episode of uh, Vitamin D and D, we just got done. Last episode was on kind of the basics, so step by step of character creation. So now we're actually gonna get into it. Um, and this one, we're gonna be a little more casual. Um, we, a little more loosey-goosey. Yeah, so I'm kind of coming up with a character, and so is Brady, just to step Yeah, and I'm that. I'm completely, this is going to be off the cuff. Um, I have a blank, literally a blank character creation sheet in front of me. We're just going to kind of go through this and do kind of show two different uh, ways of making a character where Patrick's going to be a little bit more, he kind of has an idea of something that he wants to do, and then myself, where I'm just making it up as I go. I mean, I, I kind of have a little bit of an idea of what I'm going to do, but it's more of a traditional um, kind of starter character, whereas Patrick's is, I wouldn't call it a little bit advanced, but it is a little bit more, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just a little bit more advanced, but it's basic <laughs> right. I'm, advanced, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm pretty much making this character like built with the intention of just being very very powerful and kind of i'm i'm trying to be very specific about what race i'm picking what class i'm picking even what background i'm picking he's what we call a min maxer he's dancing around (laughs) it he's what we call a min maxer (sighs) what i'm trying to say is he's in it for the stats (laughs) i want to win (laughs) dnd exactly yeah um but yeah, and then the the angle I'm going more for is more of a uh, storytelling slash cinematic, if you will, uh, angle to it to where it's more story-driven. And I'm not quite as worried about the stats, but the stats that I want uh, to emphasize will be the ones that I'll use in certain things to kind of add to my character. But we'll we'll go over that in a second. So um, so let's let's jump into it. Let's let's get to it, Pat. I was gonna say it's gonna be cinematic whenever I'm destroying. That's right. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and my character's gonna have some story too. So don't think that you. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. You yes. don't have to make like this, you know, super intentionally built character that doesn't have any kind of like substance to them. Like I've I've got a pretty good idea of you know some background and some kind of story behind it, some based on history kind of stuff. Um, but definitely more focused on just being awesome. <laughs> yeah oh and uh stick around to the uh to the end of the episode i've got a a neat little game you can play kind of related to this i haven't actually told pat about this but i'm gonna oh, tell him about it at the end it, it's it's super simple it's something <laughs> um a friend and i used to do uh in on long car drives about character creation but we'll get into that so uh so let's let's hop into it all right so we're just gonna go through pretty much step by step along with our last episode. So, um, like we said in the last episode, there's three main, like, a foundation of your character, and that's your race, your class, and your background. Don't have to be chosen in any specific order, um, but just for continuity's sake, and just to, I guess, make the picture very clear as we go through, I'm just going to start with how it is in the player's handbook. Again, starting on page 11. So, choosing race, um, which the race is start on page 17. So, the race that I'm choosing for my character is going to be an elf, and specifically the wood elf sub-race. With the wood elf, you're going to get the, the basic elf benefits of getting plus two to dexterity, so the class, which I will reveal in just a moment. Um, I really want my dexterity to be high. So the elf has a plus two to dexterity. Um, and the rest is kind of lots of flavor. 
the elves have proficiency in uh, perception skill, which I, um, and it's like, that's like a free skill. So that sounds great to me. I want my character to be super perceptive, but I also love the ability to kind of choose a different skill to focus on other than perception. So it's like a free skill. And um, yeah, get... and, ju- and just to hop in here real quick, uh, whenever Patrick says flavor, uh, yeah. what he's meaning is kind of like the flavor text. So um, one example is if you've ever played Magic the Gathering, the card game, uh, imagine the flavor text as the little quotes that are at the bottom mm-hmm. of the cards that add to the lore. Or basically think of it as ways to spice up your character that yeah. aren't directly related to a certain stat or something that actually affects the game, but makes your character that much more exciting or different or unique. So right. just throwing that in there. Yeah. So like, um, I'm not really concerned as I'm building this character. Um, I want my elf to be young, but for elves that can mean, you know, they're already a hundred. So I'm going to say my elf is probably pretty, pretty young. My wood elf, probably pretty young. So just over 100 years old. Don't have a specific age in mind. I just know around that area. Um, and not really worried about size yet. That's something I'll think about later before I start playing a campaign with the character. I'll worry about that. Um, and let's see. One of the cool things about the wood elves, um, as in all elves, they get dark vision. So I can see better than most um, in the dark, which I like. And let's see. All elves, they have the ability to do what's called like a trance. Um, so instead of requiring the eight hours to have a long rest, which I'm now realizing we have said long rest a lot, but we haven't even talked about what a long rest is. We'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, but they only have to sleep or essentially rest for four hours to get the same benefits of a eight hour rest. Um, and they can't be uh, put to sleep by magical means, and they can't be, or they have advantage against being charmed. So a lot of different advantages. They also have some languages like elf or elvish and common that you can speak. And that's just the standard elf section of my character. So getting more specific into the wood elf part, uh, wood elves have. Um, a plus one to their wisdom. And so, like I said, my class that I'm specifically looking at, which I'll talk about in a second, I want my dexterity and my wisdom to be high um, because it's going to give me lots of benefits. Um, you, you, as an elf, you get proficiency with long swords, short swords, short bows, and long bows. Um, Most of those I'm not really going to be concerned about. Uh, you get, you know, let's see, as a wood elf, you also are able to hide even when you're only lightly obscured by, you know, different forces of nature, whether it be foliage, uh, or foliage, foliage, um, heavy rain, snow, mist, that sort of thing. Um, and so I think that is going to give my character that I want to play a big advantage with being sneaky. I'll talk about why I want to be sneaky in a minute. Brady, what about you? So I went with uh, a little bit more of a generic kind of a spin on it where I'm going to do more of a kind of a story driven, but just an easy to follow along with a generic sort of pre-gen character, if you will. So my race that I went with is a human and uh, they're kind of a good well-rounded thing to go with uh, because all of their ability scores are increased by one. And then uh, that's really about it. Uh, they're just kind of a good fallback to go with just because instead of getting two things in this and one thing thing in that, all of their ability scores are increased by one. So it's just kind of a good all-around thing to pick, which for me, the human or uh, the race side of things isn't that big of a, a thing. It's more going to play into kind of my backstory and stuff like that. But uh, that's kind of the race that I went with. And uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit. So then we'll jump back over to Patrick and see what class he chose. All right. So um, like I said, very specific class that I wanted to play. 
and so that's why I chose the Wood Elf subclass. So the class that I want to play is the Monk. Um, and the thing about the Monk is your primary abilities that you want to be focused on are Dexterity and Wisdom, um, because they affect a lot of the different abilities and benefits that um, kind of come with being a monk. <clears throat> and so one of the biggest things uh, about the monk, like I said, is they have a benefit called unarmored defense. And so with your unarmored defense, if you're a monk, you your AC, your armor class, which we'll talk about in a second, but I want to kind of talk about why I chose this this class and what benefits I'm going to get. Um, your AC is 10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your wisdom modifier. So we'll talk, talk about those modifiers and what they are in just a second for this class. But like I said before, that's the reason why I wanted to pick a subrace um, that was very strong in dexterity and wisdom because it's going to make my armor class even higher. Um, it's going to make me harder to hit and also going to make me eat, you know, much more adept at hitting people <laughs> or creatures or whatever. Uh, let's see. And one other cool aspect of why I wanted to choose a monk is they can do a lot of unarmed strikes. So instead of using weapons, they can hit you know, with their fists, with their elbows, knees, feet, that sort of thing, you know, very kung fu type, and or even using simple weapons like daggers or I guess I always think about especially Imagine Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bruce Lee. You know, you got nunchucks, that sort of thing. Um, or size, like your uh, ninja turtles, that sort of thing. Um or I even I even think about uh what is it, Assassin's Creed. Um, like Ezio. Um I think of him and his uh, hidden daggers. Uh, that's kind of the. If I could design a weapon for this class, that would be it. So, um, and one cool thing about the monks we mentioned, of course, whenever we talked about classes, is the different key, or like the key that you can use. And so, um, sometimes for some of the abilities that you can use key for, uh, what makes them more effective is having a high wisdom modifier, like I said. So that's why I wanted to have high wisdoms. So that way my abilities would be more impactful, more effective uh, whenever I start using them and you know, causing damage to other to enemies, that sort of thing. Um, and I also talked about, we talked about during the class episode, you want to kind of have an idea, even if you're not picking a subclass at level one. Whenever you're making your character, I know that Brady's going to have to pick a subclass since he's a cleric, but with a monk, you don't have to pick one until level three. But I have an idea as far as the, for my character, I have an idea of what I want to be as far as what kind of monastic tradition that I want my character to uh, fall under. And so Mine is going to lean more towards the Way of the Shadow um, subclass. And so, like I've talked about in the class episode, they are very much the epitome of the historical ninja. And very, very much like kind of contract killers, spies, assassins, um, maybe a little bit of thieves, not nearly as much as like rogue class would be more associated with thieves, but you know, they may be a monastery of way of the shadow monks would be maybe hired out by rich elite to take out competitors or, you know, different nations like royalty using these monks as spies for the army or as scouts, that sort of thing. So that's I kind of I like the flavor of that. So that would be the subclass that I'm aiming towards as I think up, you know, the background of my character. 
Yeah, so then pretty much the class that I chose uh, is going to be Cleric, just because that's kind of, just me personally, that's kind of my personality is I like to be a support character. Um, I like to help other people do the things, but also like to get be able to get in there and do a little bit of damage every now and again. And that's why I went with the Cleric, because they can be very sort of tanky healers, so they can get in and do some damage, but they can also heal. So as Patrick was saying, I get to choose from first level what my you know quote unquote subclass is going to be. So I'm going to do a cleric, and then my for the cleric it's called domain. I'm picking the life domain, which is more of the healer route. Uh, you can pick other you know the clerics do have a lot of other things which we covered in other episodes. But um, basically, the life domain is kind of like a healer um, to be able to heal the wounds and stuff and kind of the angle that I'm going with with this human cleric is you know he was a man of the clergy that was a very devout person uh that you know worshiped his deity was very helpful in his community and a big kind of a pillar and then something kind of shook him up and happened to his community and he wanted to get out and not necessarily seek revenge but he wanted to go out and help those that couldn't help themselves by helping them with their problems but also be able to heal those people on his journeys uh, especially those people being his party members so that's just kind of what i'm going for a little bit with uh, the idea behind it uh, with being a human cleric and he's going to be about uh, you know mid to late 30s so he's kind of you know seen a few things and he's been around the block and he's been very devout and pious so uh but that's that's where i went with the the cleric domain or the uh, the cleric domain with the life domain so he's going to be kind of a rough and tumble healer that's seen a few things um and then that kind of gets us on to the backstory part of things yeah um and so for the backstory section like i talked about in the last episode i i don't really kind of i don't follow the uh backstories or the backgrounds as being super restrictive or that you've got to stick to it by the book and like no you have to use elements from this section i think that it's great inspiration and kind of you can shape it to your will and actually at the beginning of the background section on page 125 it talks about how to create a custom background so if you're not really finding one that fits perfectly, just make a custom one. And you can use bits and pieces to make your, quote, background match closer with your, quote, backstory. So for my character, I like to think that this monastery um, is actually located kind of in secret inside a city. So some kind of large city, some kind of urban sprawl. Um, and so in this situation, there's two backgrounds that are mentioned, two sample backgrounds. There's the criminal and the urchin. And so these two are kind of the ones that I would be using for inspiration, using for ideas. Um, and so leaning more towards the urchin, um, not necessarily. And it mentions in the urchin description that, you know, you grew up on the streets alone orphaned and poor so i you know i don't think that that to me um you know that doesn't fit necessarily with you know like my character being like a beggar on the streets that may have been like an origin may have been orphaned and then kind of adopted by this uh by this monetary actually yeah i like that so that's what i'm you know that's this is kind of the process as you go through and you think up a character. So we'll say that my my monk, my stealthy, sneaky monk, um, may have grown up as an orphan on the streets and maybe got into trouble, maybe tried to steal from the monastery and was kind of taken in as kind of a, you know, a project for, by some, you know, head monk in the uh, in the monastery and taught the ways. So I think that the the feature with the urchin called City Secrets, um, where your character would know 
the secret patterns and flow to the cities, as well as um, being able to quickly find um, secret passages and being able to travel quickly between two locations in, in a city uh, twice as fast as you know you would normally allow and that's kind of like a kind of an in-game translation as to what that means whenever you're in a city um, it allows you and your companions to travel uh, twice as fast as you normally would because you're very knowledge very knowledgeable about kind of how cities are laid out so yeah and that's that's kind of the like patrick just pointed out that's kind of the neat thing and it's one of the great things, but one of the frust- frustrating things about creating a character is it can sometimes be ever evolving. Like you can have something in your mind and be like, I'm going to do this. And then you start working things out and going through this process. And then you're like, well, you know, maybe you're inspired by, you know, another piece of fiction work or just something pops into your head and like, well, I like this. So you go down this road with that. And then you're like, but wait, maybe I like it with this little bit of flavor. And it's just ever evolving. And the only time that you're really quote unquote locked into it is when you start your campaign with your DM. But as we covered in the previous episode, if it's, if you're kind of new to it, or if you're wanting to try something out, sometimes you can work with your DM and maybe tweak some things along the way, or maybe just restart a new character completely. But that's a whole work with your DM thing. Um, but I, I'm going to give an example of, my backstory so i'm going to be a human fighter uh, or human fighter human cleric and my background is i'm just going to specifically choose from uh the the ones that are given in the book so if you're kind of struggling a little bit or if you just want to go strictly by the book um step by step i'm going to choose the acolyte which kind of goes along with the cleric but um some things that you can do is you get you're basically someone who has spent their whole life kind of serving this this temple or the community uh, around this temple and you're very in touch with your with your deity and uh, the personality trait so the four things that they have here the personality trait the ideal the bond and the flaw um, I was reading through and um, so my person was going to be kind of an everyman very well respected in his community and uh, like I said he's going to be in his late 30s kind of early 40s and he's going to be someone that everybody kind of knew the the nice guy that everybody likes uh, that works with his community a lot and does a lot of things so uh, the personality trait was going to be I can find common ground between the fiercest enemies empathizing with them and always working towards peace so I'm that kind of guy that you know, maybe I'm not always quick to fight and I want to be able to, you know, find common ground with the guy and just try to work things out. And then my ideal was going to be charity. I always try to help those in need, no matter what the personal cost. So, you know, that's kind of my thing with working in the community, everybody knowing me because I work in the community with everyone and that's how they know me. And that's why I want to help them is that's just in my nature and my ideal that I strive for is I want to help everybody. So then my bond would be, I do everything I do is for the common people that matches in with the ideal and the personality trait of, you know, the every man wanting to help everybody and everything I do is for the common people. But then let's say my one, my one flaw is, my one flaw would be I judge others harshly and myself even more severely. So, you know, let's just say even though I'm in the community, you know, I see everybody and I just judge them a little bit too hard. And, you know, I'm like, I know everybody, so therefore I know kind of about them. And I maybe I throw shade, but then while <laughs> I do that, I'm judging my judging myself more harshly. So uh, that's just picking from those. And if you wanted to, you could even roll randomly for those and pick them. But uh, I just wanted to pick one because that kind of goes with more of the direction I was wanting to go with my characters. But uh, so that's basically my character is going to be a human cleric. And he's going to be this sort of pious everyman that everybody knows that's striving for to help everyone, uh, all the common people, but judges people and himself 
uh, a little bit harshly. So uh, that's kind of the the overall thing. So we'll get into actually getting our ability scores. Yeah, and uh, so in the last episode, we talked about there's the three different methods, uh, the two that are most common and the one that I don't know anybody who uses. So we're going to use the, uh, we're both going to use a different one um, for determining our ability scores. So I am going to actually roll the dice. I clickety-clack math rocks. Um, so Yeah, and I'm going to do the standard array. Yeah. So it's going to be, this is like one of those cooking shows, uh, Brady, where uh, I'm going to show you how to prep your your meal, and then I'm going to stick it in the oven. So I'm prepping, and, I, and then, oh gosh, I've rolled it six times, and I have my six ability scores. Wow. Oh, very nice. You had this pre-made little uh, numbers set <laughs> yeah, aside. So uh, before we recorded the episode, I went ahead and rolled my six abilities, and uh, they turned out pretty good. Um, yeah, and then uh, on the on my end of things, uh, since I'm doing the standard array, uh, which that's Patrick rolled his out and randomly got his numbers through yeah. his dice that we talked about last uh, last episode, but the standard array takes. Uh, 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8. Kind of gives you a widespread. You get two pretty good numbers, two middle numbers, and then two kind of lower numbers that you get to assign. So uh, let's go through and assign quickly uh, kind of <clears throat> what we're going with in our characters and how we want them to fit in. So uh, let's kind of go through these real quick. Yeah, so um, and I'll go through the, the numbers that I came up with whenever I rolled. Um, like we discussed in the last episode, if you're going to roll for it, you're going to roll four D6s and then take the three highest results out of those four dice. So I came up with, um, I rolled an 11, a 14, a 16, woohoo, uh, an 11, a 10, and an 11. So I didn't have any scores below a 10, which is really good, pretty good. Um, and I had a high, uh, two high scores, uh, 16 and 14. So the rest are pretty pretty average, pretty in the middle, but had two high scores. So the Yeah, way so that... for somebody that's doing a min maxer type thing, that's a that's a really good role. Yeah. And it's kind of the you know, as a somebody who's trying to just be very specific and intentional with the stats, like where they what's gonna be high stats. Yeah. Um the standard array might be a better choice because it's very, you know, you know what you're going to get kind of thing. Whereas if I roll, I can always get like terrible, terrible rolls. Yeah, you could do really well or you could yeah. also do really crappy yeah. and then you're so, kind of stuck with it. And that's one thing, you know, again, like we've talked about before, talk to your dungeon master and see what they want you to do. You may have some dungeon masters who are like, nope, we are all going to use the standard array. That yeah, that's a good fair. point. Or we are all going to roll. That way it's fair. Um, and you may even have some, some dungeon masters, if you roll absolute crap um, with your, like, rolling the dice, they may say, okay, go ahead and roll all those again. Like, you're, you're not going to re-roll a specific ability. Like, if you're going to re-roll, you're going to re-roll everything again. That way it's fair and, you know, you may, you know, get an, a high number, but you may re-roll the second time and get an even lower number. So it's you know, it's up to your dungeon master. Just communicate with them, that sort of thing. Um, so, yep, yep, exactly. It just depends, really, just on how your DM, your dungeon master, wants to run stuff. So just communication—that's the key. Yep. Um, so I'm going to go through and point out where I'm going to put these specific numbers for the six abilities. So for strength. I'm going to put one of my 11s. Like I said, I got three 11s, so I'm going to throw those kind of in the the stats that I, you know, obviously 11s not bad, but I don't, you know, I don't really want them to be su or don't need them to be super strong. So I'm going to put 11 in strength, and then I'm going to put that 16 that I rolled in dexterity because dexterity is what I'm going to use for my attacks. And like I talked about. Whenever I talk about the class that I chose, it's actually going to also affect my armor class. And I get a plus two to dexterity, 
because I am an elf. So that makes that 16 and 18, which is stupid high, um, which is uh, it's <laughs> so good. Um, so I now have an 18, like I said, because I took that 16 that I rolled and added plus two that I got from my racial bonus for being an elf. And then I'm going to put another 11 in constitution, another 11 in intelligence. I'm going to put the 14 on wisdom. Like I said, wisdom, I want wisdom to be high um, for my monk class. And that's why I chose the wood elf subclass or subrace, sorry, of elves. And the wood elves get plus one to their wisdom. And so uh, that would make that 14 a 15. So that'd be a 15 for wisdom. And then I'm going to put a number 10 for, or the 10 that I rolled for charisma, just because I'm not really worried about that character being super, you know, not being the guy that's going to do the talking, not going to be the guy that's, you know, really, I would much, this character would much rather go unnoticed than have to engage in much diplomacy. So, right. So for mine, with that standard array of 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8, uh, this is kind of my thinking. I'm going to go through and tell you what I put for each one, and then I'll tell you kind of a little bit why I put it behind each one of those with the, the story elements. So I put strength as 12, dexterity is 10, constitution is 13, intelligence is 8, wisdom is 15, and charisma is 14. So the reason I went with that is uh, wisdom is your spellcasting modifier for, or your spellcasting ability for clerics. So I wanted that to be high for whenever I'm casting uh, my healing spells or if I'm going to be healing people. And, and then also it kind of goes with somebody that has been practicing in their community and a big part of their uh, services and things like that. Like he's well-versed in all that. And he knows he has the wisdom of all of this, you know, the different rites and rituals and things. And that's why he's more effective in that. So that's why he has higher wisdom. But then uh, the charisma is going to be a little bit higher because he's an everyman. He knows everybody in the community. He's well connected or he's just connected to everybody in the community. And he's become a pretty good talker about, you know, being able to settle disputes and connect with people and talk with things. So that's why his charisma is a little bit higher even though that's not something that you would normally want to be high in a cleric or something like this, uh, kind of a spellcaster thing. Um, I put that there for the storytelling sake of it because he's a pretty smooth talker because he's good at talking with everybody and connecting with people. And then uh, the strength and constitution is because he's been a hard worker and he's been you know kind of a laborer, but he's also a fighter, so he's got that little bit of strength. And he's also got that little bit of constitution from, you know, hard work, but also, you know, maybe defending himself from people that came in to try and steal from the church or steal from his shrine or whatever, or hurt the people in his community. He's been able to kind of be that buffer. And then his dexterity uh, is a little bit lower because maybe he's, since his intelligence is eight, he doesn't maybe think as much anymore acts and is a little bit more brash about things. Um, so his dexterity and his intelligence is a little bit, is a little bit lower. Um, but then with the race abilities, all those increase by one. So that's not a huge thing to take into account. It doesn't change too much, but um, that's kind of why I picked those numbers to go in there where I'm not worried about, you know, min maxing everything. It's more of the storytelling. That's, that's my placement while you might be wondering well, why did you put that there? That's that's why I put that there. It's the storytelling element. Yeah, who cares about the story, man? I just want to have great stats. <laughs> I just want to be able to hit stuff I and just, do things. I just want to be able to do things and be really good. Um, <laughs> so now that we've you know allocated those different uh, points to the different abilities, then we can reference the chart on page 13 of the Player's Handbook to determine our modifiers. So... Just for example, like I said, that dexterity score for my monk is going to be a 18. 
So am I going to get a nice juicy modifier of plus four, which is pretty nice. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so you're also going to then use those modifiers as you fill in the gaps on what your skills are going to be, as well as um, using your proficiency bonus. And like I said, for us being level one characters, being brand new, our proficiency bonus for both of us is going to be plus two. And um, so going through the saving throws that the monk is proficient with is strength and dexterity. And so you add your proficiency bonus and the modifier for that ability to come up with those saving throws. And then you get to choose a few other skills, whether it be because of your race and then your background. So I chose um, athletics, insight, sleight of hand, and stealth. I want my guy to be stealthy. I want him to be you know, sneaky, be able to, whether it be... Uh, grabbing something without being noticed, you know, kind of manipulating an object uh, in a sneaky way. I also want him to be kind of be able to tell the intentions of people with that insight. And then also to be athletic, whether it be for climbing, for, you know, scaling walls, buildings, jumping, you know, from roof to roof, that sort of thing. So I wanted my athletics to be high. Um, now my, even with that proficiency, my athletics is not super high because I didn't uh, put a lot into that stealth category, but it still helps. Um, so, Brady, you want to talk about the uh, different skills that you chose as more focused on your, your story? So the saving throws for a cleric are going to be wisdom and charisma, um, which that does kind of go a little bit with the charisma as to why I put the highness or the high numbers in the charisma and wisdom. Uh, but it also plays into those are the two things that you kind of need for the cleric class. Uh, but those saving throws will also get those proficiencies with uh, with the saving throws. And then let's see the uh, skills that are that come with the cleric are. Let's see, I chose religion and persuasion from cleric because religion he's somebody that does a lot of you know as i said work in his community and is a good part of his shrine or church or uh, working with his deity and stuff like that and then the um persuasion i went with persuasion because he's somebody that talks to everybody and he is that every man and he's able to connect with everyone so that's why his persuasion is a little bit higher and then with my background, I got to choose two languages, which that's not important. It's just going to be, uh, I'd probably choose celestial and primordial just because I didn't choose a deity yet, but I, I would say it probably plays into the, to the deity, things like that. But the other skill proficiencies that you get with Acolyte are insight and religion. So now that I see that, uh, with Acolyte, I wouldn't have chose for the first time so i would go back and choose yeah there's and there's some overlap so it's you're gonna have to reference back and forth as you build a character yeah so, like the same thing happened to me so i'd probably just say oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say um like the that urchin background that i was ba was going off of and using they it has proficiency with stealth and initially whenever i looked at the monk character, or the, sorry, the wood elf race, um, one of their options is uh, stealth. So I, I had said, oh yeah, stealth, but then the urchin automatically gets that one. So then I was like, oh yeah, I don't even have to, so I can choose something else. So you got to kind of reference back and forth as you go through. Yeah, and that's one of the things about just doing it on the fly. I should have taken that into account, but it's just like you're making a real character. So with Acolyte, with being insight and religion, um, since I've already got that there, I would go back from my skills with the cleric, and I would probably choose persuasion and history. Because, again, I can talk to the people. That's why I chose persuasion. And history, since I'm very involved with my shrine and my deity, I like to know the history of it. But then also just my community 
and the surrounding area. So that's that's why I would choose choose those, and that's why that would go there. So then that goes into the armor class. We would choose our different armor that is allotted to our classes. So just for example, real quickly, uh, proficiencies with armor uh, for a cleric are light armor, medium armor, and shields. And if it were going to be me, I would probably choose the medium armor and a shield. And then weapons, you can, for a cleric, you could choose all simple weapons. So I'd probably just choose a mace um, and then go from there with, you know, a shield and a mace, just as that sort of, again, the everyman want to fight for everybody, want to stick up for the little guy and help everybody that I can. Uh, that's why I would choose that because to me that's that signifies you know i'll be your shield kind of a thing that's that's why i would go with that uh and then the tools uh, i think i get some incense and candles and stuff like that uh but that's in the in the background so yeah um let's see oh sorry yeah. simple simple melee weapon i would just go with a club cuz that's close to a close to a mace Okay. Um, let's see. For the monk, um, in order to gain benefits of those uh, the the martial arts um, benefits for a monk, I would probably choose some kind of simple weapon, uh, and actually choose two of them. So whether it be two daggers, two sickles, two. Um, short swords that sort of thing just so i can continue gaining that benefit because if you look at the chart it's at the beginning of the uh the monk class even if you're using a short sword which uses a d6 for damage as you go up in rank or sorry as you go up in level as a monk that uh, damage die regardless of what you're using is going to increase as long as you're using uh, weapons that fall into that monk weapon category, which a short sword does. So eventually you can reach to where you're doing a d10 of damage with a short sword, which is pretty nice. So I probably would dual wield the short swords. Yep. Uh, so then from there, uh, with your initiative and speed, um, the initiative, all it is is just your dexterity modifier. And initiative, as we've covered in the previous episodes, is when you come into combat. It just uh, helps give your placement in your turn of everybody's action uh, list kind of a thing. And then your speed is already given with your race and your character, if there's any, or race and class, if there's any modifiers that way. Uh, it's normally around 30, 25 to 30 uh, to 35, something around there. And then mm -hmm. your current hit points, which your maximum is just going to be what was given to you in your class feature. So just for example... Uh, the hit points for a cleric at first level are going to be 8 plus your constitution modifier. So for me, that's going to be 8 plus uh, 2. So that's going to be 10. So my hit points starting off are going to be 10. And then with my AC, it's going to be like 12 or something like that. But uh, you just take all those things from uh, your class descriptions. And then down in your hit dice, you would just write that down. So it says... Uh, hit points at higher level, so or hit dice here under hit points are going to be 1d8 per cleric level. So right now on my hit dice, I would just have 1d8, and that's going to go into your long rest and things like that. Yeah, and as a monk, I would use the d8 as well, uh, but my constitution modifier is only zero, so I would get a just a, a flat eight for my hit points. Um, and also, my we got to remember. Uh, the two classes that calculate their AC a little bit differently, the Barbarian and the Monk. Um, I don't wear any armor, or my, or my character doesn't, so my uh, armor class would be 10 plus my Dexterity modifier, which is 4, and my Wisdom modifier, which is 2. So the, my armor class is a nice 16, which is not bad at all for not wearing any armor. Yeah, yeah, you're quick and agile and able to get out of the way and stuff. So, yeah, armor class doesn't just mean how right. much armor you're wearing. It just means you're how easily or how hard it is to hit you right. to land a hit to then be able to do to do damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so I think that pretty much pretty much covers it. So yeah, that was a quick and dirty kind of a walkthrough thing. And there's if you're looking at the uh, character page uh, that we shared on our Facebook page, which is the official you know Dungeons and Dragons Wiz- Wizards of the Coast page. Uh, you'll see a few other things on there. It's got the ideals and the personality traits and stuff, and then a place for your other features and traits and equipment and other proficiencies and languages, passive wisdom, which is your perception, and then attacks and spell casting. That's basically just extra places. If you do have spell casting things, you can put your uh, your proficiencies and your all your stuff that kind of helps you keep track of things. Um, but it's pretty spell- self-explanatory. And but if you do have any questions, just I mean, feel free to reach out to us and hit us up on Facebook uh, or you know email or whatever, and we'll we'll be happy to answer any questions. But uh, that yeah, that's pretty much just the quick and dirty sort of making a character. You know, you can spend you can spend anywhere from thirty minutes to three days, if not longer, making a character. It just depends on how much time you want to invest on them. Yeah, yeah, and you can even you know, make a character that's just as kind of like a thought experiment of like, you know, I wonder, you know, I've never made a barbarian. I'd wonder what it would be like to make a barbarian. And then that can lead you to, you know, if you're a dungeon master, that can lead you to making a great, you know, big bad guy or a great NPC for your next campaign. Yeah. I mean, it never hurts to have just go through and just make them, if that's your thing and you have free time and you want to do that, that's pretty good exercise to do. And it also helps you grasp um, other player characters, you know, their capabilities and what they're able to do. So it just helps you understand other roles if that's something, you know, that you want to do. Yeah. All right, Brady, before before I forget, what's this game that you said you're going to play with me? Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. So it's just a real quick thing uh, that one of my coworkers and I used to do uh, on uh, longer drives and things like that. Uh, I don't really have a name for it except for um, create your backstory. I will think of a better name, (laughs) but basically what you do, one person gives the other person a race, a class, and a quick description of that race and class and stuff uh, to the person. And then the other person has to give a fairly, not super in-depth, but a pretty good backstory of that, whatever it was. So just for example, um, my, my coworker gave me the one of, okay, you're a rock gnome. I was a rock gnome wizard and um, I was missing three fingers on one hand (laughs) and um, my parents, I was distant from my parents and he was like, go. So I was like, all right, give me a few minutes to think. And basically I came up with the story of my family were famous wizards and arcanists and came from a long line of it, but I was very, I didn't want to go that route. And I came up with the name of, um, I think it was Spigot Fizzlebottom or something like that. <laughs> and uh, basically, I didn't want to be a wizard. I didn't want to learn about arc, you know, arcana type stuff. And that's why I started getting into the tinkering. And I came up with this contraption that was basically a bomb. And in my experiments, I accidentally threw, blew off some of my fingers, but it was a reminder of why I'm doing it because I wanted to do that to break away from, you know, tradition. Cause I didn't want to be a wizard, but it was still in my blood and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it's, it's just kind of a fun little game that you can even do with yourself. You can get dice and assign numbers to classes and races and even, you know, different other aspects with the flaws and things and just come up with your own backstories and you don't even have to write them down. Just, just roll the dice and, or just come up with different character ideas that you can even use for NPCs or stuff like that. But that was kind of my little, my little game there that we'll, uh, we'll have to start playing sometime soon. Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds fun. I mean, and I guess the cool thing about that is you could end up just, you know, as you quickly come up with a basic story, you could end up creating, you know, your favorite character you've ever played. 
um, yeah, you know, for the next campaign, you know, that you're involved in. So you never know. Yeah, or if you're a or if you're a dungeon master, you just keep coming up with NPCs or other other characters that you have in your back pocket that you can always just write down and at a moment's notice, you know, if you need to whip out that, you know, that character quick description yeah. and just go on the fly from there. But, but yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. We'll we'll try it out soon. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for today on our uh, creation episode, uh, character creation episode. Again, this is a little bit more laid back and, you know, just kind of our process of how we go through with uh, creating characters. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed and found it informative. If you have, please consider subscribing and reviewing us on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. And uh, also tell your friends and spread the word about this show because we don't pay for advertisements about spreading and, you know, we don't pay for advertising. We're just a couple of friends just doing this and we just want to get the word out there and spread our, you know, our passion for this and stuff. Um, but if you do have any questions for us, just please let us know. And uh, if you have something that you'd like to hear about in a future episode, let us know by emailing us at the vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's the vitamin D, the letter N D podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at vitamin D and D podcast, or check out our website at the vitamin D and D podcast.com and keep an eye out for our next episode where we'll be talking about some other great information um, regarding, you know, your character creation and your starting journey That's on this equipment. Um, go in yes so kind of a little bit that we touched on today so that next episode is going to be equipment and how you can use it and uh, kind of the role it plays in your character and your character's journey so uh, other than that take it easy and uh, we'll see you on after your long rest